it's always beautiful to see how the weekly Torah portion and the upcoming holiday dovetail and connect. And I believe Parshas, the, the, the Parshas of Ayishlach, Vayeshev, Miketz, these Torah portions connect to Hanukkah, each in their own way. And uh, I'd like to show one of the connections I shared uh, at services at Minyan today as well. This week's Parsha begins, or at least what we read today begins, with the story of Yaakov traveling, Jacob traveling with his family back to Eretz Canaan, the land of Israel, and he hears that Esau is on the way to greet him, his brother Esau, and he's terrified because Esau had a vendetta, a score to settle, and uh, he prepares himself on multiple levels. And one of the ways he prepares himself is to appease Esau by sending him a gift. And he sends a message to Esav. He says, In Lovan Garti Adata. I was with Lovan, I dwelled with Lovan, and I was delayed until now. Garti, which means to dwell, also has the same letters that spell the the um word Taryag, which Taryag is the the numerical value for six hundred thirteen. And what it, what Yaakov is saying is that I was with Lovan, with my father in law Lovan, who was a person of uh, dubious character, a very negative person, and I still managed to observe all the mitzvot, all the 613 commandments. So on one level, he's saying, I'm a holy person, don't mess with me, I'm committed. But on another level, he's also saying, look at who I've become. Look at who I've become. I, I didn't just fulfill the mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, the commandments are not just uh, a checklist that you, uh, you know, you cross off. I did this, I did that. It's a matter of internalizing the qualities that the mitzvah represents. And I've internalized them. I'm not the same person that I was before. And Jacob goes further. Yaakov says, Vahili, I had oxen, I had sheep, I had, uh, I had uh, male, male slaves, female slaves. He lists a bunch of different things that he owned, you know, seemingly talking about his assets, how wealthy he is, which is bizarre. Why are you showing off to your brother? But another question, one of the commentators, the Meshachachma asks a very interesting question. He says, the primary form of, of transportation in the desert in the Middle East back then was probably camels. Or if not the primary, one of the primary. So why then does Yaakov not list that he had camels? He says, I have donkeys, I have sheep, I have oxen, I have male slaves, female slaves. Why not mention the fact that he had camels? Noted, noticeable absence in what he's mentioning. Says the Meshachach was something amazing. He says, Yaakov's not saying, I became wealthy, I became powerful. That's not what he's saying. On the contrary, there's no, this is not a time to show off to your brother. You're trying to be humble. He's saying something completely different. What he's saying is, these particular items, these these animals and these slaves that I own, have spiritual implications. You know, in Slavery in the United States was, was very simple. You just bought someone and you treated them subhuman. And it was a terrible thing to do. The slavery in the, uh, in the time of the Torah that the Jews had was very different. The slave had to actually undergo a partial conversion. And when they were set free, they became complete Jews. And as a result, you had to treat them very differently. This is a person who had obligation and commandments, like a partial Jew. And... Um, there's a, there's a spiritual reality you've created by taking the slave. Animals also. Oxen. 
there are spiritual implications to the firstborn of, of certain animals and uh, the way you have to deal with them and the obligations to come as a result. What Jacob is saying is not that I'm a wealthy person, but that I'm a person who is so infused with spirituality that my spiritual reality transcends myself and it goes beyond me. It has implications to everything I own, everything I come in contact with. That's what he's saying. He doesn't mention camels because camels don't have a a particular spiritual uh, implication of their ownership. But in general, what Jacob's saying is, I'm a person that my spirituality goes far beyond myself. In other words, as a Jew, we have to realize who I am. Look at who I am. I am so infused with my soul, with my spiritual reality, with my my connection to the divine, to Hashem, to God, that, that, that has implications far beyond myself. And I have to appreciate who I am. And as a result, I have to carry myself a certain way. I have to be careful about the words that leave my mouth. I have to be concerned about the impression that I give other people, the way I interact, and so on. And this is a very important concept for Hanukkah. And by the way, before I go to Hanukkah, let me just mention that it's not just respecting myself, it's respecting others. You know, people are very quick to judge, myself included. We see people for the first time and we're already making assessments. That person's nice, that person's not nice. I like this person, I don't like this person. Um, I don't think so highly of this one. You know, look at how they're carrying themselves out in public, in the synagogue, in the shul, and so on. That same spiritual reality that I have, the Jew right next to me has as well. My child, that maybe there's a child of yours that gets you annoyed. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe it's your sister-in-law. Maybe it's, uh, it's um, somebody that you used to be friendly with. Appreciate that incredible spiritual greatness that person has. And if that person has that, I have to respect them and appreciate that. And appreciate their potential. Maybe I even have to help them draw it out. But appreciate who your children are. Many years ago, I had an incident where uh, during the summers, we try to bring yeshiva students to Plano for a few weeks, and they teach and they interact with the community. And after they leave, I try to call the parents and give the parents some nachas, tell them how wonderful they are, their children are. So that year, I called two parents, and the first parent listens. I go on and on. Your son is such an asset and such a personality, and he's so wonderful. And look what he accomplished. And the guy says really interesting you telling me that because my son, he's just an average kid. He's just a regular kid. And he keeps on throwing that in in the conversation. And finally, I said, sir, maybe consider that your son is not average. Maybe he's something unique and special. And he's silent. Then he laughs and he says, yeah, but he's just average. I call another one of the dads. And this guy says, yeah, my son's amazing. Let me tell you about my son. Let me tell you what he did this time and that time. And what he did when he was younger and so on, going on and on. And I hung up the phone. And I said, you know, the first boy whose father says he's just average, his self-esteem is not that great. And he doesn't feel like that motivated to make a difference. The other one, whose father can't stop raving about everything that he's done, that boy is so confident. And he's so so focused on accomplishing and making a difference. So the more we can realize that in our children, and even the people maybe we don't care about, and focus on and see something positive, it's a game changer. And this ties back to Hanukkah. Hanukkah, the mitzvah of Hanukkah candles, the Talmud says, we don't do this today outside the land of Israel. 
But the Talmud says really the primary mitzvah of Hanukkah candles is to light the candles specifically outside. Specifically outside near the public domain. At the time of the Talmud, they had all the homes would open to courtyards and then the courtyard would open to the, to the main thoroughfare. And the mitzvah is to light the candle along the way, close to the main thoroughfare, and specifically low to the ground. See, there's a public, the, public, the public area is in the lower area, up to what's called ten tfachim, about 38 inches. Above that, it's what's called private area. And the mitzvah is to light the candle specifically in that lower area, which is unusual, because typically a mitzvah is fulfilled in your home, in the privacy of your home, behind closed doors. It's not about showing the rest of the world. But by what comes to the, the candles of Hanukkah, it's specifically influencing the world out there. It's specifically taking that spirituality that you have within yourself, that connection to the divine within yourself, and shining it outwardly, bringing it out. That's the mitzvah of Hanukkah. The mitzvah of Hanukkah is, in fact, the... Um, most Jewish holidays, we don't do work on the holiday. I mentioned this in a different, uh, different one of the classes. We don't do work. Shabbat, we don't do work. The holidays, we don't. Hanukkah, we specifically do work. We sanctify the mundane. There isn't even a mitzvah to have a meal. Imagine that, a Jewish holiday without a mitzvah to eat. That, what's brought in the, in the Code of Jewish Law is that if you do eat a meal, and at the meal you discuss concepts of Torah, or you sing songs pertaining to Hanukkah, it turns into a festive mitzvah meal. But there's no obligation to do that because Hanukkah is all about a regular Tuesday and infusing it with that spirituality, that holiness, that greatness that you have deep within yourself. That's what Hanukkah is all about. So first, the first steps, let's realize what we have within ourselves and let's help others realize the greatness within themselves. And then once we realize that, let's shine it out. Let's bring it out to the world. That's the light of Hanukkah. I'm